So we've been in a sermon series. Um, We have been in a sermon series called We've Got Spirit. And what we've been doing, we've been looking at the contrast between what the Holy Spirit produces in our life versus what an opposing spirit produces in our life. So today I was asked to talk about a poverty spirit or poverty mentality. Now, poverty spirit isn't actually in the Bible. You're not going to find those words. However, it is, it is a mentality. It is something that I see many of us struggle with just in our daily lives. I think a good place to start would be, what is poverty? What am, what am I talking about? And I really think you can sum that up into lack. It's needs not being met. It's going without. It's never enough, never finding enough, never having enough. And in regards to poverty, of course, we always think of things like third world nations or homelessness, which is absolutely truth. But what I want to address today is the poverty we take on when we try to become our own source, when we try to produce the things that God has set before us or produce the fruits of the Spirit in our own strength. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So as we kind of look at the difference between what's produced when we live by the Holy Spirit and His guidance and what's produced when we're living our lives under the influence of a poverty spirit, we're also just going to be taking note of um, how it affects our lives. So let's jump right into scripture. So we're going to be reading in Galatians, Galatians 5, okay, Galatians 5, and we're going to be reading from verses 17 through 25. I am reading out of the New American Standard, so it's a little bit wordy, so hang out. But don't tune out. Okay, Galatians 5, 17 through 25. And it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For those are in opposition to one another. And I want you to keep that in your mind as we're talking today. Those two, Spirit and flesh, are in opposition to one another, okay? So that you may not do the things you please, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, or you can say the fruits of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And I really want to highlight that because I think it's easy to think that if we give our lives to Jesus, that all of a sudden we become like marionette puppets or something. Like, oh, I can't do my own will. I just got to do whatever God says, right? But that's not truth. Right here it says walk by the Spirit. And when I, when I hear that, I think of beside the Spirit, with the Spirit. Um, we're in relationship. We're in partnership, right? So this is good news. This is really good news. And as we just read, there are evident fruits that our lives will produce whenever we partner with the Spirit, okay? Now, whether that's the Holy Spirit or an opposing spirit, there are going to be evident fruits in our lives that are produced. The Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us and empower us 
to fulfill what God has set before us. He will empower us. He will give us what we need to do what God has called us to do. On the other hand, if we are submitted to the flesh or any mentality or spirit that opposes the Holy Spirit, spirits that encourage the desires of the flesh, our lives position us in a place we don't want to be. What it said in this verse is that it, it puts us in a place where we can't receive the inheritance of the kingdom. Now, bear with me. When I read this scripture, I know it would be easy to think, oh, well, you know, drunks just aren't going to heaven, right? But that's not true. Everybody take a deep breath. We're good. We're good, okay? When I read that scripture, I think about how someone has to die for you to receive an inheritance, right? Who died for us? Jesus. Jesus already died for us, therefore we as his children already get to receive the inheritance of the kingdom here on earth. Jesus taught us to pray heaven to earth, am I right? So when I read that verse, I don't read it as, well, everyone who sins is going to hell, right? That's not what I'm reading here. What I'm reading here is that whenever we choose to put an opposing spirit on the forefront of our heart, when we choose to worship the desires of the flesh, we position ourselves us, we choose, we're not puppets, right? We position ourselves away from inheritance. Are you hearing me? But when we partner with the Holy Spirit, as it says in this verse, when he is the the one that's guiding us and leading us, and he's the one that's empowering us to produce the fruits of the Spirit, we're in a position where we can receive, okay? So now that we kind of have this understanding uh, that we're going to be looking at the contrast, what Holy Spirit produces, what the um, flesh produces. Let's jump in. Um, I am not going to be doing points today. However, I am going to be asking questions that I'd love for you to just kind of like self-reflect on. But before I do that, I'd really like to pray. So if you guys could just pray with me for a moment. God, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you are here with us right now. Lord, not because we're in a building labeled church, but God, because you abide inside of us. And Lord, just as dad was saying, when believers come together, God, when we come together in your name, you meet us here. And God, you are faithful. So Lord, I thank you that you're here today. Lord, I just pray that every word spoken, God, would just be from your heart. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be ready and willing to receive and Lord, that we can move forward in a new level of freedom today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. First question I'm going to ask you is, what's your source? And what I mean by that is, where are you drawing from? Where are you drawing from for strength, for direction, um, for empowerment? What's your source? This Poverty mentality is something that I struggled with for years, for years and years and years. And every situation I went into, I only saw lack, where I didn't measure up, where I didn't have enough money, where I didn't have enough X, Y, and Z to be who God called me to be. And I can remember um, last summer, I was in the car and I was by myself and I was just letting the Lord have it. I was complaining. I was upset. I was frustrated. God, how can you possibly expect me to be a good wife and to raise kids who know you and to start up a children's ministry and to teach and to write books and to do all of these things that you've put in my heart with such limited time? And I mean, it just felt like the stress was going to break me. The anxiety was going to tear 
me apart. And just ever so gently, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Elise, you have a poverty mentality about your time. And I said, what do you mean? You know, because poverty, you think homelessness, third world nations, all these things. And I'm like, I know I'm not there. But he said, you have a poverty mentality about your time. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? And he said, anything you see lack in, anything that you refuse to give out of, out of fear that you don't have enough, Anything you hold on to with white knuckles and refuse to surrender to me is somewhere you see poverty. It's where you see lack. And it was kind of like an aha moment for me. Um, in, re- in regards to my time, I only saw lack. I only saw lack. And I didn't see any way that I could make everything happen that was in my lap. And it was exhausting and it was defeating And see, the desire to fulfill all of these things in excellence wasn't the bad thing. The things that I was pursuing weren't the enemy, right? But the fact of the matter is that I was making me my own source. I was trying to dip into the well of Elise and expect that to last and expect that to be enough. And I did that out of fear of not having control, right? And I, and I was doing everything in my own strength to perform, to make people happy, and to make God happy. But the crazy thing was, I wasn't happy. <laughs> there was no fruits of peace, of joy, and of love in, in, that, in that specific area of my life. Because I was operating out of an idea of lack, out of a mentality of lack. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit, here's where the good news comes in, and the promises of the word... When we see God as our source in all areas, we start drawing from an infinite well, an infinite source and supply to which there is no end because there is no end in who he is. He's, he's before time, after time, right? There's no end to his kingdom, and he will provide all that we need. So I want to encourage you that if you are seeing the fruits of the flesh produced in your life over and over and over again, maybe, God, why is there so much strife in my relationship with so-and-so, why is there dissension? Why is there, you know, this? I, don't you know that I love you? Don't you know that I'm pursuing you? I want to tell you today you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. But I do want to encourage you to examine who's on the throne of my heart. Am I pursuing the will of the flesh above the will of the Holy Spirit? Because whichever will you're pursuing is the fruit that's going to be produced. But I have more good news. Just hold on, okay? More good news. This next verse I'm going to read is out of John, and it's John 16, and I'm going to read verses 7 and verses 13, and it says, But I tell you the truth, that it is to your advantage, sorry, this is Jesus speaking, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, or in some translations, the advocate, shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. That word helper or advocate is comforter. The one who bestows spiritual aid and consolation. I want to encourage you that if you're seeing the fruits of the flesh in your life, and you're like, God, I don't understand. I'm pursuing good things. I love you. I'm serving in my church, whatever it may be. You have a helper. You have a helper. You have an advocate. You have a a comforter. You have somebody who's going to disclose the words of the Father's heart 
right and directly into your own heart, okay? You don't have to be the one who produces the spiritual fruit on your own. You're a human being, right? But when we have the helper on our side, when we have the promise of the Holy Spirit on the, on the throne of our heart and we're willing to surrender to him, he's going to be the one that moves us from over here to over here to receive our, our inheritance. Amen? So that day in the car, I started on a journey of entrusting the Holy Spirit with my time, and I began to really unfurl my grip on the clock. And that was really an act of surrender for me, um, someone who has struggled with perfectionism and performing her whole life. That was huge. And for me, that was communicating to him that I trust him with something very precious to me. And when presented with anything that absorbs my time now, I consult him first. Again, not because I'm his puppet, but because I know that he sees what I don't. And I know he's hearing words directly from the Father to minister unto me. And I've experienced peace like I haven't felt in a very long time. To the point where I had several mamas in the house come to me and say, you're just different. There's something, there's, you know, you're walking different, you're talking differently. And it was because I had... Move myself from over here to over here. Okay, so we, we've talked about what's your source. Now we're going to move over to who's your provider. It seems it's similar, but it's a little different. Your source, I want you to see as like um, who you're drawing power from, strength from, and your provider, I want you to see who's meeting your needs. Okay, so let's start there. Um, the Bible is really clear on how we as believers should be responding to those in need. Not just financially, but yes, financially. We should be cheerful givers. Um, we're blessed when we, when we feed the poor, right? And in Luke 14, Jesus even instructs us to invite the poor in to our banquets that we hold, even though they can't repay us. Our role is to be the hands that feed that clothe, that invite in, that shelter, that protect. And giving really is a theme that you're going to find all throughout the word because our God is a giver, okay? He is. And I think it's really important to mention here that God doesn't specify who he's talking to. Like, he's not, okay, so we as humans, it's, it's easy to think, oh, well, he's talking to the rich, duh, you know, like, they have much. They can give, right? But he can't possibly be talking to me because I'm barely making ends meet. Or maybe I am struggling um, in financial poverty or whatever it may be. He can't possibly be talking to me. But again, I think we're missing the point. I think we tend to miss the point because we see um, as God, like after our 10% tithe, or if we can't give in significant amounts, then it's a pointless giving, Right? Or if we're lacking in our bank account, we're exempt. Like, God can't possibly expect me to give. I don't have anything to give, right? But being a giver is an attribute of God. It's part of who he is. He gave us life, right? He gave us life. He gave us his son. He gives us our, his Holy Spirit, right? And being made in his image means that giving it should be an attribute of who we are as his children. And the amazing part of our God, as I mentioned, is that whenever he calls us to do something, he's going to equip us. He's not going to just give us a word and then leave us out there on our own accord. He's given us the Holy Spirit, the helper, to operate in wisdom, right? I'm not saying you just wake up and say, well, Bible says to give. I'm just going to give everything away. No. Or, you know, I really, I, I really need a new TV, so I'm just going to like give my old TV away, and I know God's going to provide a new one. 
No, we're, we're, we're learning to operate under the will of the Holy Spirit, right? To operate in wisdom, right? And he will. He'll help us because he knows we're human, right? Jesus knew we were human, so he sent us the Holy Spirit, okay? And I want to read to you super quickly. We're, pretty much all of us should be familiar with this verse. If not, it's amazing. It's out of Psalms 23. Psalms 23, 28. It says, God is my shepherd. I shall not want or I have all that I need. That's a promise. He's my shepherd. He takes care of me. He protects me, and he provides for my needs. So if God is leaving, leading me to give, if the Holy Spirit is prompting me to give of myself, of my finances, whatever it may be, he's going to provide, right? He's going to provide for me to do that, and he's going to make sure my needs are taken care of as well. Um, I want to share a story with you. Some of you have probably heard this story, but I think it's worth repeating. Um, when I was in high school, all I could dream about was being um, an English professor. I know, super cool. I wanted to be an English professor. I wanted to be that old lady with the glasses who was more obsessed with like her books and whatever than her students could ever care about. But that's all I wanted to be. I wanted to travel to England. I had an idea. I was going to travel abroad. I was going to spend a semester in England. I was going to study Shakespeare. I was going to do all of these things. And then my senior year of high school, um, during a worship service, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go to Bible school. And I was like, no. <laughs> Anything but Bible school. I don't want to be in ministry. Like, ministers are poor, you know. Um, like, teachers make so much money. But I was just like, no, like, I don't. I can't do this, God. I have dreams. I want to go to the football games, you know, so whatever. I was so upset. But... Thank goodness my heart really was hungry for the Lord, and I was more nervous to miss him than I was to miss out on a normal college experience. And thank God, because that's where I met Mr. Puckett. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, okay, so I'm at this Bible school where over 60 nations are represented. They're bringing in international students, and I loved it. There was so much diversity. There was so much culture. I loved it. But that also meant a lot of the extra funds went to bringing them in and covering their needs, which is awesome. But it also meant that if you came to school without your school bill paid, like you were working hard to have it paid because you had to have it paid by the end of each semester in order to attend the following semester. So God led me to this Bible school, and now I'm working my bottom off trying to pay for it. And, of course, there were definite seasons of, like, bitterness in my heart. Like, God, you told me to come. Why are you not providing? Why are you not this? You know, had to work it out. Had to work it out. I'm human. Anyways, so it was coming to the end of the semester, and my bill was not paid. And I'm freaking out. How am I going to do this? I'm working two and a half jobs. I'm, you know, beating my brains out how I'm going to make this happen. But I had a friend who was in a similar situation, except not only was she working to provide her own school bill, but her parents owned a shop, but they were both very ill. So she was having to run her parents' shop to also pay for their needs and to also send money to her sister in China. So she was trying to take care of her whole family. And on payday, one Friday, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, give your paycheck to her, your entire paycheck. And I'm looking at my bank account. I'm like, I have like $19, God. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he said, give your entire paycheck to her. And I'm, I'm thinking, this isn't, this isn't even a big deal. This paycheck is not even worth that much, and I need it. What am I going to do? And um, I just couldn't uh, 
ignore the prompting. So I called her up, and I drove over to see her. As we're sitting in the car, I said, I just felt like the Lord told me to give this to you. And she just, she just wept because she had been asking the Lord the exact same questions. So she wept, and I wept, and it was beautiful, and it was an honor, and it was awesome, and thank you, Jesus. But then I'm driving home that night, and I'm like, okay, well, I either just made a really good decision or a really bad decision, and we will find out what happens. And for a week, nothing happened. Nothing happened. School bill, still looming. But like a week to the day, from several different sources, whether it was in my, my mailbox, from somebody handing me something, or for it just showing up online, I got back over triple what I gave. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. He saw what I couldn't see. Now, do I think that money still could have come without me giving? Yeah, he's a good God. But what did it mean to my heart? See, giving is never about the dollar amount. It's always about your heart, what he can produce inside of you. And the faith that rose up inside of me um, after that, that situation carried me throughout the rest of my schooling. And it was, it, was, it, was an, it was the biggest blessing for me to be able to learn that at such a young age. And the cool thing is, is if we read in John, if what we read is true, then the Holy Spirit really is a good counselor, you guys. He's not going to counsel us to do something that's going to harm us. He's not going to lead us into places of, of death or of, of, of um, demise. He wants to produce good fruit in your life, like peace and joy and kindness. He's a good provider. And I really want to encourage you today that um, God desires to be your shepherd. So if you are still struggling with being your own provider, I want to encourage you to surrender that role to the Lord. And I'm not telling you to go quit your job and like sit in your room and expect money to like fall from the sky or something. But what I am encouraging you to do is to not look at areas of lack in your life as areas that you have to fix and that you have to control and you have to operate in fear. I want you to surrender that to the Lord because he's good. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you. My third question where is your unity? When we trust God as our provider, his Holy Spirit will lead us into truth and will position us in a place to receive our heavenly inheritance. But the poverty spirit will illuminate perceived lack in our lives and try to rob us of the reward in pursuing the will of the Spirit. It will. The flesh will seek to take on poverty versus helping those in poverty as outlined in Scripture because they always oppose one another. So if the Spirit says, hey, reach out, be the hands that feed, the flesh is going to say, oh, no, you can't do that. You're in poverty. You're in lack. You don't have enough. And he's going to start illuminating every area in your life where you feel like you don't measure up, where you don't have enough. And that's what's going to be seated on your heart. That's going to be the fruit that you're producing. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to take that place, we're going to see good fruit. And we've talked about how the Holy Spirit can be our source of power and our helper and how God is our provider and how we need to be the hands that feed and share, whether it be monetary and friendship or discipleship, regardless of where he's leading you. We can trust that our needs are going to be met. I want to read you Romans 12, and it's going to be verses or verse 4. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church. We are many parts of one body 
and we all belong to each other. That's wild. We all belong to each other. I want to tell you one last testimony. Um, when Puckett and I uh, had only been married seven months, we found out that we were pregnant. Definitely we're not trying. <laughs> um, we had thousands of dollars of school debt. We lived in a one-bedroom shoebox apartment. Um, and I just, I was devastated. I was so upset. Not, I obviously celebrate life, you guys hear my heart, but I was devastated that I was going to be bringing a baby into something I didn't deem perfect. And I can just remember those, those feelings of guilt and just feeling so shamed and thinking, you know, God, how are we going to make this work? On paper, this does not work. We do not have enough. And one Sunday, oh, let me back up. We had this plan that we were going to sell Puckett's little, little, what was it, like a 90, the green machine. It was like a 90, 1990-something little beat-up Toyota that we were thankful to have because we didn't have a car payment. But we, our idea was to sell it so that we could have some money up front to give the doctor because doctors are expensive. <laughs> um, so that was the plan, and we felt good about it. Then one Sunday, we found out that there was a family in our church, a family of five, and they only had one car. And the teenagers desperately needed to get jobs to help provide for the family. And I just remember the Lord saying, give them your car. And I said, nope. <laughs> that is our car. We need that to pay for this baby, God. You know, don't you remember this baby? Like, I didn't do it to myself. Like, you gave me this baby, you know. Um, I need that car. I need this money. We don't have enough. I can't give this away. Ask somebody who has enough to give away. But I couldn't ignore it. It was just there, and I brought it before my husband, so scared that he was going to shoot me down like you're crazy. Um... But we prayed about it, and we knew it was what we were supposed to do. And there was a, there was a little bit of a sadness because we're like, okay, you know, there goes plan A. And so we showed up on a Sunday, and we took the family aside, and we just said, hey, we just we just feel like the Lord is saying to give you this car. And they cried like we gave them like a BMW or something. <laughs> it was such a blessing to them and it was such a blessing to us to see that response because like God if this is all that comes out of this you are good because we are a body we belong to one another we should see each other's needs and so we gave him the car it was awesome and we went out to lunch that day with some friends and we're having a great time and all of a sudden the husband stopped and he said oh hey like we want to give you guys something we said okay and um, he slides over a check for more than what the car was worth. And I just, I boohooed right in the middle of BJ's. <laughs> I don't care who sees. I mean, I wept because, yes, it was awesome. The money part was awesome. But the faithfulness of God blew me away. Blew me away. And again, I know God would have met our needs had I not given but the fact that my heart was transformed in that moment to, to, to trust God and the fact that he was bringing unity to pieces of the body just blew my mind. And what's so beautiful about seeking those out in need is that we become unified. When I surrender under the Holy Spirit, I become a vessel that he can use to fulfill his will. And his will is 
for unity in the body, unity in the church. And it's incredibly hard, you guys, to have unity when I turn a blind eye to my brothers and sisters in need. It's incredibly hard to be unified when I'm like, ooh, that's a little much for me to handle. She's got some baggage. Just being real. It's easy to love those that are easy to love. It's easy to invite in those who are easy to invite in, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be a body, and that does not include terms of gender and race and political party. We are called to be a body. We are called to be unified and to see the kingdom of God come to this earth and and, and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And people will see by the fruits of our lives and the love that we have for one another that Jesus is good, that Jesus is alive. When I'm living under the influence of a poverty spirit, I will miss every opportunity to give, to invite in, to be vulnerable. Because it's going to say, well, what about me? What about my needs? What about X, Y, and Z, God, that you haven't fixed yet, right? But when I, when I give those pieces of myself over to the Holy Spirit, and I begin to believe that I have all that I need, when I begin to believe that God loves my children more than I do, so he's going to meet their needs, when I start believing that God has a plan and a purpose for me within the body of Christ... My mind starts, my mindset and the way I perceive things start to change. Galatians says the flesh will produce fruit of dissension and strife, but the spirit will produce fruit of love and peace. If we're seeing dissension in the church, in the body, who's on the forefront of our heart? What spirit are we operating under? When we begin to genuinely see ourselves as a united body of Christ, then poverty becomes my burden, not my identity. Poverty becomes my mission, not the spirit by which I walk or surrender unto. So where do you see need today? Who in your circle or outside of your circle is hurting? Who needs shelter? Who needs food? Who needs someone to hug them and tell them that God still loves them and that they're chosen? Let's not be unified by a building or a denomination or the color of our skin. Let's be unified as a body of believers of every color, of every background, of every culture. Let's be unified by our love. Let's be unified by the Holy Spirit being um, on the throne of our hearts. God is good and he sees us, every need, every trial, every heartache. He never intended for us to do this alone, and his Holy Spirit trumps the poverty spirit every time because the Holy Spirit knows how to guide us into heavenly truth, like we read, and into heavenly perspective. What could we accomplish today if we really saw each other? Who could be touched today if I, if I had the mentality of, I have all that I need versus I don't have enough? I don't have enough to go around. Why, why, why am I telling you this? <laughs> My heart is that you will allow Holy Spirit to lead you and that your life will produce good fruit, fruits of the Spirit, and that you're, you position yourself to receive kingdom inheritance now on earth as it is in heaven. You'll see love and joy and kindness and goodness all around you. However, when you allow an opposing spirit like the poverty spirit to take the throne of your heart, you will produce the fruits of the flesh, causing division, causing strife, causing jealousy. I want to reread to you the last portion of that 
starting scripture in Galatians is really powerful. And it's a, it's a, good, it's a good thing. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Do you belong to Jesus today? Do you know he loves you and that he died for you and that he rose again for you? Because if you do, then all of those things, all of those passions, all of those fruits have been nailed to the cross. And we can dip into the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to see it fulfilled in our lives. You don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to overcome by yourself. And if we're being who we're supposed to be, then not only do you have the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and empower you through the truth of the Heavenly Father, but you also have a body of believers willing to carry your burdens. That's who we should be. That's the intention of walking with the power of the Holy Spirit, with, the, with walking beside the Spirit of God. Not so that you're controlled or you can't do what you want to do, but because he will always deliver you into a place of freedom. He will always guide you into a place of receiving inheritance of heaven. So I want to believe that today. Um, as believers, as brothers and sisters, I want to believe for that today. And I want to I pray over you. And if you would like additional prayer, people will, will be here to pray for you. But I want to pray together as a body. So if you'll stand up, let's just press in and believe that the Spirit of God is here. Just encourage you, you can close your eyes, you can raise your hands and surrender. We're not um, begging for something today. This is a free gift from the Lord. This is a free gift from the Lord. God, I just thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. God, I thank you for fresh vision and truth for the, for the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you that I don't have to be over here alone trying to make the whole picture work, but when I see myself, God, as just a piece of that puzzle, and I see that all the other pieces are needed for us to make the picture of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you, God, that my life will begin to produce good fruit. God, I will begin to see unity in the body. God, I just pray for my brothers and sisters um, across this room right now. Lord, if they, if they were sensing an area of lack in their life or an area where they have exalted above you out of fear, Lord, I just thank you that you love them. God, you love them right where, where they are. Lord, you're not ashamed of us. Lord, you put your Holy Spirit inside of us. You're not ashamed of your people. And Lord, I thank you that when you come to instruct us, you convict us of righteousness. So Lord, I just thank you that today, if there's a finger of your Holy Spirit is touching on areas of our hearts that we need to surrender unto you, that Lord, that we can expect new mercies and grace to meet us there. Lord, I thank you that when you bring conviction, you bring freedom. So, Lord, I just come against every lie of, of a poverty mentality that I don't have enough, I'm not enough, I'll never be enough, I can't produce enough, I can't provide enough. Lord, I thank you that you are our provider. You are our shepherd. Lord, and I just pray um, for fresh perspective this morning of every situation, God, in every need, God, I just ask that you would give us heavenly perspective, Lord, 
Who's on the throne of our heart? Lord, what fruit am I producing? What kind of inheritance am I reaping or receiving? Lord, we love you. God, we love you. I pray that when we leave this building today, that we carry freedom with us, Lord Jesus, to those who are in bondage. God, I pray that we would see the needs of our brothers and sisters, and we won't be afraid of what it's going to require, but instead that we will be empowered by your Holy Spirit to run to the needs, to run to those in need, God. Lord, we love you, and we trust you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.